0: Today's reading is from Matthew 23, 1 to 5, and then 27 to 28. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And the second reading is from Mark 2, 14-17. As Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the gospel of Christ.
1: Well, do take a seat. Friends, it's lovely to be with you. Uh, This is the most bizarre iteration of live streaming I think we've done. I'm not sure whether to look at the congregation or look at the camera. I'm standing on a little box, and behind me is a symbol with a huge spike in it, and if I fall off this small box, I'm going to skewer myself. Everything feels bizarre about this. Uh, So let's, uh, let's pray and ask for God's help. Father, thank you that you are a God who speaks, that no matter where we are, You are with us, that your spirit works through your word, that he ministers to us. And so, Father, we pray as we come to these passages, as we come to this question, we pray by your spirit, work in our hearts, use these words that I speak, not as my words, but as your words, to convict us, uh, to show us our sin, to show us where we are guilty of hypocrisy, not to condemn us, but to bring us to Jesus, that we might find grace in him. For Jesus' sake, we ask it. Amen. As Jesus uh, Jesus mentioned, as Jesse mentioned, uh, this is the last of our uh, questions in our tough question series, and today's question I think is one that has made me most sad in some ways. All of these questions came out of a survey we did uh, a few weeks ago, Uh, but this one particularly clearly comes out of personal pain. Why would I join a church full of hypocrites? It's one that can only be asked by someone who's been hurt by people in a church. And it's no wonder that the question is asked. The church has been caught up in a number of high profile scandals. Prominent members of churches have harmed children. Pastors have preached generosity whilst embezzling funds. People have manipulated and bullied those entrusted to their care. And behind those here today, gone tomorrow headlines are real people who've been hurt by people in churches, by people who call themselves Christians. No doubt there are some in this room. There are some watching who have been hurt in that kind of way. But it's not just the big, uh, the things that make it into the newspapers. I remember once meeting a man who'd been a Christian a number of years and he longed for his parents to become Christians. He prayed earnestly for them. And then after a while, they began to go to a church, and he was so thrilled that they joined this church. But his parents were turned off by the behavior of those in that church. They were people who were so quick to talk about the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus and so slow to forgive. In fact, they nursed grudges. They were people who uh, would talk about loving others greater than themselves, but so quick to tear people down once they left the room. And that man's parents said, if that's what Christianity is, I want nothing, we want nothing to do with it. And as I thought about that this week, it made me incredibly sad. It's heart-wrenching to think of that man longing for his parents to become Christians. It's heart-wrenching to think of that elderly couple. It's heart-wrenching to think of the Lord Jesus, the most loving man. The one man in whom there is no hypocrisy at all thought ill of because of the actions of those who claim to be his followers. Well, friend, if your experience is something like that, if you've experienced that kind of thing, I am sorry. I'm deeply sorry. And as we try and engage with this question, we need to acknowledge it's a real question. It's a question of pain for many people. Well, it's a huge topic. There are just two things I want to try and say this morning. And at the end of each one, I want to draw an implication both for the Christian, uh, the churchgoer, and for somebody who uh, is looking in asking this question. The first thing I want us to see is that Jesus condemns hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is incompatible with following Jesus. In fact, some of Jesus' harshest words, strongest words, are reserved for those who are hypocrites. I want to show you that in this first reading from Matthew 23. Have a look at it on the screen or in your Bibles. Uh, Matthew 23 is a long chapter in which Jesus is talking to the crowds, to his disciples, about the religious leaders of his day. And we've just got a small section of it here, but we get a sense of how Jesus blasts hypocrisy. Look at verse 2. The teachers, uh, sorry, in, in these verses, it, it focuses on hypocrisy as saying one thing and doing another. Saying one thing but doing another. And have a look at verse 2. The teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the the religious leaders of Jesus' day, you are to obey them, verse 3, because they sit in the seat of Moses. That is, they teach the Bible to you, so obey them. But don't be like them. Don't do what they do because they do not practice what they preach. It's a great phrase, isn't it? It's almost a definition of a hypocrisy. Joe, he's a hypocrite. He doesn't practice what he preaches. But you see, it's Jesus' phrase. Jesus coined this phrase because he's against hypocrisy. And we know and dislike this kind of hypocrisy profoundly, don't we? Think of uh, David Clark, the former health minister, who told us to obey the lockdown restrictions and then brazenly ignored them himself. Well, a similar kind of thing is going on in Jesus' day in the religious world. Verse 4, these Pharisees, these hypocrites, they put great burdens on people, heavy burdens, tell them to be very religious, but they don't lift a finger to lift it themselves. In fact, verse 5, everything they do, they do to be seen by others. And Jesus says it's unacceptable. Just as he would say to the church today, to us today, it is unacceptable to go to a youth group and speak about self-control on a Sunday morning, and then on Sunday night, be out getting drunk. It's not right to urge people to make Jesus a priority in our lives when we're not doing that ourselves. And it may well be that the Holy Spirit uses these words this morning to convict some. Perhaps you're giving somebody some advice. Uh, You're encouraging someone to do something. And what you're encouraging them to do is good. It's it's a gospel thing to do. But the problem is you have absolutely no intention of following yourself. And Jesus says, I'm against hypocrisy. But hypocrisy is not just failing to practice what we preach. It's pretending to be something we're not. It's pretending to be better than you are. Literally, the word means wearing a mask. Now, I don't mean wearing a face mask. Uh, It's not kind of, this non-anti-coronavirus thing. But um, like an actor, it's wearing a mask like an actor. Imagine uh, an actor in an old uh, play where one actor plays many parts. And as their one part, they wear a mask of an old man. And then the next scene, they wear the mask of a young woman. And depending on the scene, they wear a different mask. And Jesus is saying there'll be some who go to youth group who come to church and and they talk the talk. They blend in. They seem so enthusiastic for Jesus. They ask for the right things in their prayer requests. And then on Monday morning, they wear a different mask. And in the school and office, their language is the same as those around them. The jokes are as smutty as everyone else's. And Jesus is against that kind of hypocrisy. Look at verse 27. Woe to you. That is to say, how pitiful is your condition. You're like a whitewashed tomb. On the outside, it's beautiful. I wonder if you've ever seen those glorious white tombs. They're often carved into stone, and, and they're painted white, and in the sunshine in the Mediterranean, they dazzle. And they're beautiful, and as you walk by, you think, wow, what a wonderful craftsman's crafted such a beautiful thing. But inside, it's full of dead bones and rotting flesh. It's utterly putrid. And in the same way, Jesus says, If we wear a mask like this, if we pretend to be wonderful, but are filthy on the inside, well, woe to us. I'm against hypocrites, Jesus says. Well, Jesus is against hypocrites. He's against hypocrisy. But notice the way he's against it. In the world, when people are against something, when people are angry at something, there's a kind of harshness to it, a vindictiveness to it. But that is not how Jesus is. This is a warning, a very strong warning. There's no compromise in Jesus' words, but it is a loving warning. It's not born out of hate, it's motivated out of concern, both for the hypocrite and for those around the hypocrite. Because you see, hypocr- hypocrisy is a massive problem for the hypocrite. There's a chasm between what they want. What they, long, what they want in life, what they long to be, and who they truly are. The Pharisees, they, they genuinely wanted to be righteous. They wanted to be holy. They wanted to please God. And yet they're so far from him. The religious hypocrite in church may wear a mask that makes people around them think they're so good. The people in the community may look up to them. They may even believe their own publicity, but inside they are filthy. They are, the reality is far from the public persona, and it, it's painful, and ultimately, it's a pathway to destruction, because on Judgment Day, the real person will be revealed, and Jesus will condemn them for it. And so Jesus says these strong words, not to condemn now, but to convict in the hope that the hypocrite might turn and find healing, find forgiveness in him so that they might not need to wear a mask, that they might enable their preaching and their practice to line up. Jesus is concerned for the hypocrite. But Jesus is also concerned for the people around the hypocrite. We get a hint of that in in, uh, verse 4. Because those around the hypocrite, particularly if the hypocrite is in a prominent position in the church, they lead people astray. Look at verse 4. These religious teachers falsely give people the idea that following God is about carrying a great burden. Later on in the chapter, if you if you read it later, these people are called blind guides. They make people children of hell. That is to say, their example and their teaching leads people away from God. And that kind of thing's alive and well today. That's why people ask this question. Why would I want to join a church full of hypocrites? Well, why indeed? It's a great question. But do you see it's a question that Jesus himself could have asked? Because Jesus is against hypocrisy. Well, as we come to the end of this point, let me just draw two implications. One for the church girl, one one for the Christian, first of all. And for the Christian, it's this. Jesus says being a hypocrite is incompatible with being a Christian. If you're doing one thing on Sunday morning and doing another in the week, if you're play acting, pretending to be a Christian, pretending to be righteous, and then in another situation just being totally different, then Jesus says to you, you may be a churchgoer, but are you a Christian? Jesus says, you may be claiming to follow me, but are you really? And he doesn't say it in anger. He says it in love, because if, that is you. If you are play acting, he longs that you would repent and take off the mask and follow him without pretense. I'm going to say more about that in a moment. But if if you wouldn't call yourself a believer, it's wonderful that you're listening in. But uh, what does Jesus say to you? I think he says to you, "Don't judge me. Don't judge Christianity by hypocrites who aren't Christians." I wonder if you remember uh, earlier in the year. Uh, There was a a big family of of tourists from England, and they'd come uh, to, I think, the North Island. And they were in the news almost every day for about two weeks because everywhere they went, they left this kind of trail of destruction in their wake. So uh, there were kind of petty crimes and and, uh, car crashes and and a massive trail of rubbish, nappies and and, uh, wet wipes and just general filth. Well, it just happens that Charlie and I were planning to go to the North Island around the time they were there. Now, it didn't happen. Hopefully, later this year, we might make it. But imagine if we had gone to the Trail, and we didn't know who they were, but everywhere we went, there was this filth. Well, imagine we came back to Christchurch at the end of a week, and uh, you said to me, well, how's your holiday? And I said, well, the North Island's absolutely beautiful. We had a, had a great time, but do you know what? I'm kind of disappointed. You Kiwis just don't seem to take care of this beautiful country. Everywhere we went, there was a trail of filth. Such a contrast to the beautiful scenery. Well, how would you respond? You'd surely say, hang on a minute. Don't judge us. Don't judge Kiwis by them. They, they're not Kiwis. They might be in our country, but they're not Kiwis. They're, in fact, they're your people. They're English. Well, friends, you see, in the same way, Jesus said, just because someone's in church, just because someone claims to be a follower of Jesus, don't judge me by them. Because if someone's a hypocrite like this, if they teach one thing and then do another, if they play act and pretend to be good when they're not, well, they're not a real Christian. Because that kind of behavior is incompatible with following Jesus. But here's the second thing. And it's a wonderful thing. Jesus has come to rescue sinners, including hypocrites. Jesus has come to rescue sinners, including hypocrites. And the wonderful message of Jesus is that whatever you've done, however riddled your life is with hypocrisy, Jesus loves you and came to rescue you. But if you're a hypocrite, if you're someone who thinks that you're good, you need to take off the mask and acknowledge that you're not. And actually, there's a great joy in doing that because it means we can be real, as we'll see in a minute. This second reading from uh, Mark's gospel sees Jesus call a tax collector. Jesus going along, he sees this man, Levi, uh, and as a tax collector, he's not just someone who works for the IRD. He's a, he's a thief, basically. He extorts money from people he shouldn't do. And Jesus sees Levi and he says, Levi, come and follow me. And Jesus goes and eats dinner at Levi's house. And Levi is there with all of his mates, and they too are tax collectors. And we're told there are many other sinners there, and sinners we could write with inverted commas. They're people who are openly, obviously immoral. Everyone would know they're the bad guys in the town. Well, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, verse 16, come along, and they see this, and they say to Jesus' disciples, why is your teacher eating with these sinners and tax collectors? Now, I think in the light of what we've just seen, there's a certain irony in what they're asking, because behind their claim, I think, is the accusation that Jesus is a hypocrite. He's teaching the law of God. He's claiming to be a holy teacher. And yet in his free time, he's hanging out with these sinners. Now, in their mindset, that's a problem, because if you're a holy person, a religious person, you don't hang out with sinners. You hang out with other people who are holy. Now, there's no hint in this passage that Jesus is engaging in in anything sinful, but just to hang out with those who do is a problem for the tax collectors, uh, for the Pharisees, the hypocrites. And so many in the church, too, sometimes give the impression, or people have the impression of the church, that it is a club for holy people. Holy people hanging out with holy people, or at least people who think they're holy, hanging out with other people who think they're holy. But look at Jesus' response, verse 17, so important. Why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? Jesus tells us because, verse 17, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And you see, Jesus is for the sinner. He's not come to call righteous people. He's not come to call people who think they're good. He's come for people who know they're sick. And, of course, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're just as spiritually sick as anyone else. But in their hypocrisy, they pretend not to be. And so their hypocrisy stops them finding help, which is why I said the person who goes to church who's a hypocrite, actually they can't be a Christian. Because being a Christian is not about pretending to be good. It's about admitting that you're bad. And coming to Jesus for healing. And the person who pretends that everything's all right won't come to Jesus. They might come to church, but they won't come to Jesus for healing. That's why we don't, we mustn't preach here that you need to be good. That's why in the kids' work, we don't preach to the kids, you need to be good, because we couldn't possibly practice that. No, we preach the gospel. where where Jesus tells us, yes, you must be good, but you cannot be. And so I have come to forgive you and to wipe out your sin. Came across these wise words this week. Hypocrisy is not falling short of a standard. Hypocrisy is covering up that you say one thing and do another. The opposite of hypocrisy is not perfection, but authenticity. And there is a sense that every person Every Christian is a hypocrite. But when we realize we've done something wrong, when we realize that our behavior isn't in line with what we believe, we don't pretend. We come to Jesus and say sorry. And in doing that, we're actually not hypocrites because we don't preach be good. We preach the gospel. We uncover our sin and own that we're not good. A few weeks ago, my seven-year-old son was had one of those kind of days, I'm sure if you're a parent you know it, where the, uh, everyone was kind of a bit grumpy and boisterous, and he seemed to be kind of shouting all the time. And there was a sort of general kind of noisiness, childish, childish noisiness. But there was also a slight nastiness to the other children in, in what he was shouting. And I said a few times, look, Ren, just kind of calm down. Let's let's not keep shouting. And he didn't really stop. And so eventually I said, Ren, stop shouting! <laughs> Quick as a flash, one of the other kids said, Daddy, you just shouted. <laughs> Well, what do I do? I could have said, well, I'm an adult. I get to choose whether I shout or not. I could have said, well, he's been shouting all day, and I've shouted once just for three seconds. I could have said that, couldn't I? But if I'd have said that, I'd have been a hypocrite. And what I did is I, by God's grace, I took him aside, and I said, son, you have been shouting all day, and it's not good. But it's not good that daddy just shouted either, And it just shows us we both need God's help because we can't be the people God has told us to be. But Jesus died for us, so let's ask him to forgive us and help us. And friends, if we grasp this, it should make us incredibly humble because it is deeply humbling. We're not as good as we like to think we are. But there's also tremendous joy. We don't need to wear a mask I don't need to pretend that I'm better than I am. I don't need a chasm between my outward perception, my, my public persona, and the reality. I can own my faults. And when I do wrong, I can say sorry to God and, if necessary, to sorry to someone else. It's so liberating. And I, I should just say, that means if you join a church, then people are going to let you down. I wonder if some of the thing behind this question is people who've been to church and they've been hurt by people in the church... And they've been surprised. I thought they'd be good people. Well, no, the church is for people full of sinners. We're going to hurt each other. But the question is, what do we do when we do that? Do we hide it? Do we play it down? Or do we say sorry? And the hypocrite hides it. The genuine Christian says sorry. And of course, if we know that we're forgiven sinners, there should be no whiff of holier-than-thou, superior morality. Because we know we're not superior, we know that the Christian is not a moral superstar, but someone who knows they've done wrong and they don't cover it up. I love the confession uh, we said this morning. Just so happens this was what was on this week, but it, it's a wonderful confession. From they're taken from words from one John. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Just think what that means. Who do we deceive? Nobody else is fooled. My kids know that I'm a sinner. My wife knows that I'm a sinner. If you've hung around with me for more than about half an hour, you know that I'm a sinner. The question is, will I acknowledge I'm a sinner? Or will I pretend I'm not? And that wonderful verse goes on. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from every kind of wrong. And why is that? Because Jesus came to call sinners sinners. Jesus, the one man who is able to do this because his words and deeds were perfectly aligned, the one man who never wore a mask, and yet the one man who has made sin, who died on the cross to take away our sin. Well, friend, if you're a Christian this morning, if you've been convicted by Jesus, if you're aware of areas where your lips and your life, your behavior and what you say don't line up, don't cover it up, but confess it And find forgiveness and cleansing. And friend, if you're someone looking in, can I challenge you? Do you see that Jesus says you need his healing too? Can you honestly say there is no hypocrisy in your life? Jesus says that we're all sick. And Jesus longs to heal us all. But in order to come for healing, we need to admit that there's something wrong. Just want to end with this story that Jesus told. He told... Another story of a Pharisee, a hypocrite, and a tax collector. And this Pharisee and the tax collector, they're in the temple praying. And the Pharisee proudly puffs out his chest and looks around and says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm not a robber. I'm not a murderer. And just across the way is, is a tax collector. And he sees a tax collector and he says, I thank you, God, I'm not like that tax collector. And the tax collector is so aware of his sin, he can't even look up to heaven. And he mutters, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus' Jesus punchline is, it is the one who admitted his sin and, and asked for mercy, who goes away right with God. Not the one who proudly puffs out his chest and pretends he has no sin. And the reality is, there are many ways to stand in the seat of that hypocrite. There are many ways to convince ourselves we are better than others. One way is through religious hypocrisy. And we've seen this morning, Jesus is absolutely against that. But another way would be to look at a religious hypocrite and say, God, I thank you that I'm not like that religious hypocrite. It would be possible to look around and say, I thank you that I'm not like that politician. I'm not like those racists. I'm not like that group. And yet as we do that, we condemn ourselves. Because is there really no failing in your own moral code? Have you always been consistent? Have you never done anything wrong? Is there nothing shameful that you're hiding? Is there no incident in your life you'd love to wipe out? The Bible says there is one man alone who can say that. One man alone who is righteous. One man in whom there is no hypocrisy. Whose loving deeds always lined up with his loving words. And that man is Jesus, who came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners, including hypocrites. And he longs to heal each one of us, to forgive us and welcome us back to God. But he can only do it if we admit that we have a problem. Well, the question is, can we do that? Let's pray together. Just a moment to reflect on what the Bible has said. perhaps to confess our sins and to ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we ask you to forgive us for the ways that there are gaps between what we believe and what we do and we pray that we wouldn't like a hypocrite a hypocrite pretend that that is not the case but rather confess that and be people who preach the gospel to ourselves and to others not a message of moralism or doing good but a message of grace a message of the wonderful savior jesus christ who came to call sinners and father forgive us when we've given the impression that church is for good people We pray for those who are listening, who've been hurt by hypocrisy, who've seen hypocrisy in the church. And Father, we pray that you would help them to see Jesus and to see his consistency and love and care. And we pray that each one of us would walk closely with him this week for his glory's sake. Amen.